It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Ray White, the largest real estate and property group in Australasia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast. We're talking to Scott O'Neill from Rethink Investing. Welcome to the Real Estate Podcast, Scott. Thank you for having me. Mate, it's great to have you on. And you're dealing in the residential investment property space and also the commercial property space. And when it comes to the commercial sector, particularly in investment, a lot of mum and dad investors especially just can't get their heads around sort of putting money into that sector, preferring to stay with the residential that they've come to know, love and sort of trust over the years. And in many ways, commercial is that step into the unknown for these people. But at the same time, including commercial into someone's portfolio shouldn't really be seen as that scary Darth Vader proposition, should it? No, but look, you're quite right. It's the, the big thing I find that holds a lot of people back is just the lack of knowledge. Uh, you know, compare that to residential. Everyone has experience with a residential property, whether you've lived in one or rented one or bought one. It's a barbecue topic. There's a lot more media attention on residential and commercial sort of look that like forgotten cousin in the background that quietly does its thing. And I think that's where the opportunity lays. Like there, there is a lot higher cash flow on offer. It's not as scary as you think. Once you actually get your head around, you know, what drives businesses into certain types of commercial properties, even just understanding the three main asset classes, which is office, industrial and retail, because even a, a novice investor will realize there might be different levels of risk in, say, office versus industrial and, and understanding what the economy is doing at that point of time is, is where there can be actually a lot more opportunity. So they're the main reasons I see people, I guess, hold back from commercial, but but that is changing. We're, we're seeing there's a lot more education out there on commercial and just the high prices of, and the low yields that you're going to see in residential after all this growth they've had. It's going to push more investors to commercial just by default because they need better income. And that trend has is, is rapidly been happening over the last few years. I think you actually raise a really good point there, the barbecue topic. Everybody around the barbecue talking about residential. And then you might have one person that says, well, you know, have you guys considered commercial? And then somebody would say, oh, no, no, you don't want to get into that office space. <laughs> you know, Somebody could sort of throw up a negativity when it comes to office. So yeah. of those three, how do you rate them in the commercial space? Look, I, I never like to generalise, but but you do have to generalise sometimes to start with. And look, we all know COVID, for example, has pushed more people out of the office. So if you're going to pick the weakest of the three right now, it would have to be office. But then again, you can't generalise. Like office might include, uh, you know, medical-based properties, the suburban office spaces where, you know, out, out in the suburbs, there might be just a small commercial building with, uh, you know, some dentists and some... Uh, mortgage brokers or real estate agencies, there's a lot of very good office out there. But would you go buy up in a tower uh, in the middle of COVID? Probably not. On the uh, other side, you've got industrial. Industrial is right now from coast to coast across Australia, probably the strongest subsector of the commercial market because all these businesses that have been forced to close their doors with COVID, they buy and store and sell a lot of their products online now. So this e-commerce boom actually contributes to tighter leasing markets for the actual uh, industrial spaces and 
on top of that, bill costs are going through the roof. So to, to build more of this stuff, it costs more. So there's actually quite rapid capital growth happening right now uh, to the tune of over 15% per annum in some markets for industrial. On top of that, you're going to get, you know, five, six, you know, maybe even 7% net yield. So overall, the returns are fantastic in that space. But like any asset, you don't generalize. All industrial is not great. All of it's not good or poor rather. The other one is retail. So retail is, a look, it's a massive field. Like you, you could talk about supermarkets. That's essential service. But retail is also high-end shoe shops. You know, that you can't compare all uh, retail in the same barrel as, you know, being a good or bad because there's just thousands of different businesses so i think there's a there's this buzzword in the economy at the moment like off the back of covid around essential service i I like using this term called destination type tenants where you've got to go and see them to use your products that business model is not dying in fact there's there can be a lot of resilience in that sector because tenants often pay a lot of money for their fit outs and you know these are the things as a commercial investor you want to look at you know is your tenant going to stay long term and if they've just spent a lot of money on fitting their property out and they've got a five-year lease and they've got through COVID without issues, then that can be a really good asset. But you can see there's different things to consider for different asset classes, but they're all not bad and they're all not good. That's where it gets a bit murky and sometimes a, an expert opinion is, is probably what you want rather than the, uh, the barbecue topic opinions. And in 2022 now, the first quarter, I guess you could say that because it's been so difficult in the commercial space with a lot of commercial owner-operators cutting breaks for their tenants, but now that we're in 2022, that first quarter is probably likely to change. Is that your, dare I say, prediction? Yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's a great point. And to sort of go back a step, most of these, uh, I guess, remember 2022, sorry, 2020, when uh, COVID first hit the shores, there was that, you know, March, April period where, uh, you know, everyone was, there was so much uncertainty. And and then there's a lot of tenants asking for discounts on rent. Some were quite opportunists, like there was some supermarket brands and uh, pharmacy brands asking for discounts, even though they were doing quite good business. But then what happened is um, they announced JobKeeper. And there was some legislation around that in terms of what uh, tenants had to show their financials and prove loss of income. And that actually stopped a lot of, uh, I guess, at least all the strong tenants were stopping claiming rent abatements at that point. Obviously, then we know what happened over the last, you know, the next year or so. There was some lockdowns in particularly Sydney and Melbourne, which, which would have resulted in more tenants asking for uh, some rent discounts. Across the board, it's it's pretty light on. Like there were some markets where there was no rent abatements given, but my prediction is it's probably just going to keep that trend of coming out of that that model because a lot of tenants now they have to show your financials uh, to prove the landlord that they're suffering a more than thirty percent loss. A lot of tenants don't want to show their lo- landlord their financials. Very little of them do because it it's sort of a leverage that the landlord's always going to have over them and, and that's cut out a lot of it. Now, look, if you've got a tenant that is actually struggling, then that's going to continually happen. But one of the things when we do due diligence on a property is we can ask for tenant ledgers to see how the tenants performed over the last two years. And if you can see your tenants been struggling, it's, it's probably not a deal you'd want to take on. But if you can see your tenant got through COVID without a rent discount asked, then they're the types of ones you want to target. So it, the way I look at it, I, I've put a positive spin on it that you can use the last two years as something to do a bit better due diligence on. We haven't had that luxury in previous you know, years where we've seen how businesses have gone in tough times. And 
yeah, I guess the, the the message is you just target the businesses that have been going strongly and if you see they're sort of uh, a little bit weak, then maybe that deal is better for another investor. You know, there's always this silver lining that we talk about in a bad situation. It's a much more clever way, if I can use that word, to look at the leasee and just that performance of what has been happening over the last two years. So you, you have those better blue chip types of tenants yeah, and, and like you said, it's just a way that we've, I guess you could, you know, sift the good tenants from the bad tenants at the moment. And, and I shouldn't use that word, but it's more tenants that have performed resiliently through this process. And a lot of these industrial properties, they didn't have forced closures, particularly if you're in markets like Queensland and WA, like they, they barely had a, you know, a proper lockdown in these areas. So these, in the meantime, these businesses, which might be trade related, online logistics related or cold food storage related, they shouldn't have really had a hiccup throughout this whole time. So we see, uh, you know, tenant ledgers over hundreds of properties, you know, every every few months. And, you know, the amount of tenants claiming on large discounts is surprisingly little. And that's probably just one of those things you, you've got to consider when you're investing. Sometimes the media can exaggerate certain points, but at the same time, there has been some weakness and you know to sort of tell you uh, the office market in cbds there's been a lot of pain in those markets and and same goes for some subsectors of retail like you you know i often talk about how retail on highways are going where there's no car parking out the front like that's not a business model that's doing as well as it used to especially when a lot of these products can be sold online so you've got to consider the the long-term trend beyond just what we've seen in the last two years as well And, and that's where you know, things like the e-commerce boom, which which marches on year after year, is is something to consider what types of properties will benefit from that. It's almost like investing in stocks, commercial property. You've got to, you've got to really think in terms of what businesses are going to do well. And that's where the opportunity is. And, you know, the risk can be higher, but the reward, the reward is certainly higher as well. You know, I'm just thinking of something like a Perth. Would there be some great opportunities in the office space in Perth because of the way the pandemic has played out differently in Perth? The answer to your question, there is, um, but there isn't been a, a large discount in square metre rates in Perth like cause, because interest rates are so low and office space is generally a, uh, an area where you see a lot of institutional level investors play in, so fund managers, um, large syndicates, you know, these are the guys buying up the whole office towers. They haven't been selling for discounts. So we've seen square metre rates barely drop. If anything, there's been many markets over there, despite the huge vacancies they're having in those markets, uh, increase in value. And like last time I checked last month, the vacancy rate of Perth was about one in seven buildings, one in eight buildings, offices rather, were vacant. So it's a very high vacancy rate. So if you can deal with the short-term leasing risk, yeah, there's probably some good buying to be had, but uh, you really got to be buying the right type of building. And there's no free rides in this market. Like you'd know that from residential. Even the worst markets out there are still holding up in value because of low interest rates and just there's a lot of exuberance out there at the moment where there's, yeah, people will, will buy anything if they can. Commercial's no different. We're, we're seeing very quick growth rates and cheap money. And there's a, now there's a big flock of new or I guess residential investors, traditional residential investors now coming to commercial because they've kind of reached a, a yield limit where they can't keep investing in residential. And there are different lending rules in commercial. And that's probably the other thing to note. If you run out of lending for residential, but you've got a deposit, 
you can actually keep lending in commercial because there's things called lease doc loans and no doc loans. And essentially, you, you, you can actually get a loan without even a job as long as you've got a cash deposit because the properties in commercial can lend on themselves if they've got a good lease. So there's, there's a lot of people taking advantage of that and especially with APRA jumping in like they did in 2018. I can hear those mum and dad starting to have a conversation in the background, Scott, as we chat, <laughs> starting to think, well, maybe we should look at some commercial property and add that into the portfolio. Hey, really good to chat. Thank you so much for coming on to the Real Estate Podcast. I really appreciate your time and thank you very much. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 